uh, in a little while, Sonia's coming to share a practical application of a testimony in that to help you, and then we'll, we'll apply it at the end. I'm quite encouraged in one way because the way the Holy Spirit asked me to apply this is quite unusual, and it's out of the book of Job, which is not where I would have gone. But I thought, well, I'll stick to it. And we went to the Riding Lights thing on Friday night. And guess what? It was, at, it was about the same three verses, basically. So I'm pretty confident how God wants to apply this. So if we can start with a PowerPoint. Um, I have some notes. Anybody wants a copy of the notes? They're there later on. Okay, we're starting... And what I want to start with is think about the whole Godhead before we get specific into the Holy Spirit. And this scripture here out of 2 Corinthians uh, 13 verse 14 says, May the grace and joyous favor of Jesus Christ, the unambiguous love of God, and the precious communion that we share in the Holy Spirit be yours continually. Amen. So that's bringing in the whole Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And over the next few weeks, different people will take up aspects of the Father and of Jesus. So as we look at the Holy Spirit this morning, I want you to remember in context that we're taking one part of the Godhead, but we're not doing it exclusive to the others. Okay? It's all one, but we're looking at the, the, the bottom bit this Morning, so can we have the next slide, please? So we've got three things here that it tells us there. It tells us about the grace and the favor of Jesus. I said, if anybody wants, tries to copy these, there's a copy of them all down there. Okay, there's the grace and the favor of Jesus, the unambiguous love of God the Father, and the precious communion that we share in the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at the latter. We're going to look at communion with the Holy Spirit and what that actually means. And we'll look at different parts of life. So before we do that, I want Sonia to come up and she's going to just share a testimony about in this area and apply it practically before we go any further. And this is to do with communion with the Holy Spirit and how it affects you. Hi. In our family, we have a mum and a dad and a child. And the earthly family actually represents the heavenly father, heavenly family. So you have the Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. And each one is different, has a different way of ministering to us. And so, however our relationship with our earthly dad, that affects our relationship with our heavenly dad, our relationship with our earthly mum, affects our relationship with the Holy Spirit and our relationship with Jesus affects our relationship with brothers and sisters or the other way round our relationship with brothers and sisters affects our relationship with Jesus and how deep that can go 
So about nine years ago, I realized that I had a closer relationship with my Heavenly Father and with Jesus than I did with the Holy Spirit. And I actually went for a sozo. It was my first sozo. And it asked on the form, is there anything you would like God to do for you? So I wrote on the form that I would like a closer relationship with the Holy Spirit because I didn't feel as close to him as I was to Jesus or to my Heavenly Father. And I also would like God to really work in my relationship with my three daughters. And so within this so-so, the person that was leading it read what I'd asked, and she said, let's just ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything he wants to speak to you today about your relationship with your mum. So she spoke out the prayer. I repeated after her. And immediately into my mind came a situation. I was a nine-year-old little girl going home for lunch, and I couldn't get in the back door. My mother had taken a stroke and was behind the door. I had to go and get a doctor. My mother was hospitalized for six months. I only saw her once during that time. And Dad had to find places for me to go. He was a really good dad, but he had to work, so he had to farm me out to different places, some that wanted me, some that didn't. And so the lady who was leading the sozo said to me, I think we need to forgive your mum for her death and for leaving you. I thought this was really strange because I knew that mum didn't deliberately die. And actually, it's the same with us as parents. We don't deliberately do stuff that hurts or wounds our kids, but actually all of us do stuff that hurts other people totally without realizing So she said, I know it sounds strange, but it will change things. So she prayed the prayer, and I repeated, I forgave mom for leaving, for me having to be bummed out, for just the absence of having a mom, and all the emotional deprivation that had happened in my life. And I'd had to take charge of my life. I'd had to control my environment because nobody was there for me. And so if I didn't look after me, who would? I didn't know in those days about the protection of my heavenly daddy out there. And so... I just want to say to you that experience of forgiveness, of 
asking God to forgive me for all the control that had come into my life as a result of having to take control as a little girl to ask for forgiveness for the way I'd responded sometimes that weren't good and for judgments that we make in situations totally transformed my life. And all my daughters had said to me, Mom, you are so different. God was able to heal the wound that was underneath. And just to explain the love of God, he showed me an aunt coming to our house. And she washed my hair and put rags in. Years ago, he used to put rags in to make it curly. And that situation was so emotional for me because I had to wash my own hair. There wasn't anybody to do it for me. And the Holy Spirit was just showing me the things that I'd lacked, that he wanted to heal and restore. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit, if there's anything that he wants to speak to you about your relationship with mum. He does want us to be thankful for our mums and all the good things that they've given to us, the life they've given to us. He's not for pointing out fault. What he's wanting to do is to show you where a wound took effect in your heart so that he can heal that and you can know the love and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So if you would like to, if you would pray after me and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if there's anything he has to say. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me if there's anything that occurred in my relationship with my mum that has prevented me knowing you in a deep way? If there is, if there has been control, where I couldn't be my own person, if there has been neglect, where I didn't feel nurtured or comforted, if there has been not, one, not being able to keep me and to send me for adoption, or if there has been presence but not really the nurture and care. Holy Spirit, would you show me from my own life anything that occurred in my early years or even in later years with my mum?
Holy Spirit, you speak after me. Holy Spirit, I forgive mum for what you have revealed to me. I give her a gift of forgiveness. I ask you to forgive her. Holy Spirit, would you show me any lie that I'm believing about you because of what happened? And Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me your truth? And beloved, the love of the truth will set you free. And I just have a lovely testimony. Rodney and I were doing similar things in a situation up north. And a woman hadn't seen her mother for many years. And she forgave, she prayed. And within a couple of days, her mother was on the phone asking to meet her. So it's just incredible when we open our hearts to let the Holy Spirit minister to us, what changes can occur in our lives, in our relationship with God. Okay, so that's a practical application of how the Holy Spirit works. Um, So if you have the next slide. So we're looking at just the Holy Spirit now. And the, it comes from the word kononia, and that involves communion, that's fellowship, sharing, participate. It involves partnership and working together, and it involves intimacy, that's a heart-to-heart relationship. Can we have the next one? Two smiling faces. Now, I want to show you, a, a, this is a, 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 an aspect when we're growing in, in relationships with each other, most of the confines are the same as growing in relationship with the Holy Spirit because he's a person, he's a friend. He's not an influence, he's not an it, he's a friend. And I'll show you an example how this works. In 1970, Sonia and I had been married... Uh, three or four years by then and you might be surprised at this but this is absolutely true my Sonia did all the tests to be an air traffic controller and she passed them all with flying colours now I was beginning to know Sonia quite well after four four or five years and she's very gifted and very diverse and uh, very good in detail and artistic and things. But handling six planes flying around in the sky at once frightened me to death. 
So I persuaded her not to take the job. And she went into working for the ministry in, in pensions instead. You see, that's the same as partnership with Holy Spirit. We get to know each other. It's a relationship. It's getting to know each other in, in what they do. There's a verse here. It's not up there. Acts 15:28 says this. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit actually spoke to them. But they, they had an understanding of how the Holy Spirit thought and how the Holy Spirit acted and how the Holy Spirit would like us to behave. There was, there was something between them. They were checking it out. And if you go to the Acts of Apostles in chapter 6, similar things happened. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. So they're talking about they had a relationship. They were knowing how each other thinks. The Holy Spirit knows how you think, knows where you've come from, where you're going, knows everything about you. If you were a plumber, for example, I don't think there's any plumbers here, but if you were a plumber, he'd probably communicate to you about joints and things and taps because he knows you. If you're a farmer, he'd probably communicate to you things to do with farming. Because I'm a food scientist, he spoke to me a couple of months ago about freeze-drying. And now a lot of Christians have freeze-dried relationships. Uh, But you see, because I understood instantly what it was and what it does. Um, You see, in any close relationship... Words are not often necessary. If you've been married for a while, your, your spouse can look at you and you, they don't have to say a word, do they? You understand, even if it's 20 yards across the room, you can look at their eyes and you know straight away what they think, don't you? And you can go in situations where you know what they would say. And you, you could say, you could swap. We had a, a bit of fun when we were in YWAM. Because one of the things we used to do as staff for fun, we'd heard each other's testimonies so much, because every school you give your testimony, we used to swap, and we'd see how good we are at knowing each other. So I'd give Fred's, and Fred's would give mine, and then we'd see how near you were to it. It was just a bit of fun, but it's because we were really getting to know each other. Right, the next one. It's a partnership. It's flowing together. It's not all one-sided. It's both together. And uh, there's an interesting thing. I don't know if you know much about football. I don't know a lot, but a little bit. There's a manager called Tony, Tony Pulis. Uh, he's not one of the top, top, top ones, but he's, he's a good manager. And he has a reputation for taking teams at the bottom of the Premier League, working with them for a few months, and enabling to escape relegation. And he's done it three or four times with different clubs, so he's obviously got a gift. So they interviewed him, and they said to him, what's the secret? He said, well, it's no big secret. I get to know every player in my team. I find out what they're good at, and I provide a strategy where everybody can be who they are. Isn't that a message for the church? And he can get ordinary footballers that average playing together as a team 
and there's Gordon's favourite team, Burnley. They're the second poorest financially in the Premier League. And yet they do quite well. Because the manager knows his team and they work together, they work in partnership. And if we're growing in relationship with the Holy Spirit, we've got to realise it's a partnership. It's working together. Uh, examples would be um, Abraham had a partnership with God. Um, we've already said about that Holy Spirit checking. And I'll take the last bit. Go over the next. Intimacy, secret hearts. Are you able to share all your secrets with the Holy Spirit? He knows them anyway. As I was preparing this, I said, well, I'm not going to do my normal stuff. You tell me and I'll do it from your perspective. So what's the first thing you want to talk to me about? (laughs) He said, well, you're a very good listener, but you're not very good at chatting to me. So... Tony said, I'm not a very good chatter. I'm better than I used to be. So I've been learning to chat with the Holy Spirit. And amazing, just chatting about things. And he already knows, but he just likes to hear what's on my heart, what's doing. And I can share the secrets. And he's, he's not freaked by it. But you know, he's starting to share more secrets from his side to me. Because it's a partnership. It's a relationship. There's intimacy growing in it in what we're actually doing. So it involves emotions, thoughts. It involves every aspect of life. It's, it, it's, it's a partnership. Now let's look at some of the things Jesus said. Let's look at a few things Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, Jesus said another comforter or paracletus would come. Would come. So at the top, we've got uh, examples of what many translations say. The first one is an encourager. The next one is a counsellor. The next one is a teacher, children and teacher. The one at the bottom is a comforter, comfort. The next one is advocate or defence lawyer. And the last one, which you only get if you read the Aramaic Bible, it says... One, two things the Holy Spirit does. There's two things in the root words. And the first one thing, it brings an end to things and makes things new in salvation. And the second one, the second one to do with the Holy Spirit, it said he brings an end to all curse. Brings an end to all curse. So the Holy Spirit, in various translations, it's comforter, helper, teacher, counsellor, encourager, one who comes alongside, advocate. There's lots of different aspects. The nearest one to the truth is a defence advocate and totally representing you. That is probably the best translation. So what we're saying about the Holy Spirit, there's lots of aspects of relationship with the Holy Spirit. For example, in, if you took Acts and Luke's together, written by the same person, there are nine references to being filled with the Holy Spirit, and seven out of the nine means something that happens that keeps happening and is continuous. You look at the same verses, Acts and Luke's, there are nine references to being filled with the Holy Spirit, and seven of them have a prophetic dimension in some way or other. Fairly consistent in what they're doing. 
And there's... Um, let's just have a look. Okay. Let's move on. Let's look at the Old Testament quickly. Examples of people who had relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's Samuel, Saul, David, Ezekiel. They all had some level of relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing about the Holy Spirit, and I can use this young man for example, because he's pretty secure. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came upon you like this. It didn't come in you. It came upon you. And all these people, when the Holy Spirit came on them, they were equipped to do what God was asking them to do. It wasn't residing in them. It didn't live in them. It came upon them, and then sometimes it scooted off in different things. Now let's look at the new next one, the New Testament. Some examples. We've got Jesus being baptized by John. Holy Spirit came down and rested on him and never departed. The next one is Elizabeth and Mary when they taught in, in, in Luke 1. The Holy Spirit, they were both filled with the Holy Spirit in conversation. The next one is John the, uh, John the Baptist. The next picture is the disciples were filled. And the last one is Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's lots of examples of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I've wrote this down here. If you'd read Acts and Luke, the emphasis is on presence, being filled, and power for evangelism. If you're going to John and his epistles, it's about the Holy Spirit being a teacher, a revealer of God's thoughts and his ways. If you look at Paul in the epistles, he talks about new life in Christ, sonship, identity and power in prayer. So all these people had different, slightly different ways of looking at it, but it's all part of the big picture. And probably the most important scripture is Romans 5.5. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You want to grow in the love of God? I want to grow in the love of God. We've got to get to know the Holy Spirit because he's the one who fills your heart and fills your life with the love of God. And don't we all need that in lots of examples? Now, as I was looking at this, I've heard Bill Johnson say some things, and I thought, I've wondered, where does he get that from? He said this, you need an infilling for you and an outfilling for everybody else. I thought, well, that's good, but where does it? And I found it. I found it. It's in Acts 2, 1 to 4. In Acts 2, 1 to 4, if you look in the Greek, it says this. They had an inward filling for themselves and they had an outward filling for service and ministry to other people. Now, I humbly suggest, probably most of us in this room have got plenty of the inward filling for ourselves. I suggest we put where we need to grow is the outward Holy Spirit coming on us and equipping us to see signs and wonders and to see the dead raised and the sick healed and the broken hearted released. I think that's what we need. Well, it's certainly what I need. Okay, let's look at Ephesians 5 for a minute. Verse 18, familiar verse. This is what it says. Never be drunk with wine, which is rebellion, but instead of that, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and your hearts will overflow with joyful songs, 
You'll keep speaking to each other with words of scriptures, singing with psalms and praises, and there will be spontaneous songs spring up in your heart. So Ephesians 5.18 is a continuous condition that keeps filling. Now years ago, uh, I don't know how many years ago, a few years ago, when the Holy Spirit was really flowing, we used to pray for everything that moved to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's, a, there's an excess in that, but do you know there's a bit of life in it? I think we need to get back to some of that stuff. Because we need filling every day. I need filling every day. We need, need to raise our expectation in different things that happen. Now let's look at Jesus for a minute. Let's flip to Jesus. Now the next picture here. Here's Jesus, the top picture. He's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing is, did he already have the Holy Spirit? He did, yeah. So he's filled. As an example of Jesus in the wilderness. Now, when Jesus went into the wilderness, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He overcame the three major temptations of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of flesh, and the pride of life. And he came out, according to Luke, in the power of the Spirit. So something changed, even in Jesus, when he went through the struggles and he overcame. He came out in the power of the Spirit in what he was doing. And looking at the bottom one, the word initiative. It says of Jesus in John 5.19, I never act or do anything on my own initiative. Now this was a perfect man. And he didn't do anything of his own initiative. And you know, it says this, John 16, it says the Holy Spirit never does anything of his own initiative. So you think, these are both God, and they're not doing it all out of their own ego, their own self. They're doing on what they hear from Father. Just go to the next one. Little thing I've discovered while I was looking at this. Let's look at the next one. It's interesting. In Acts 8, to do with Philip, it says in verse 26, an angel spoke to him. In verse 29, it says the Holy Spirit spoke to him. He was walking in such a level, he knew the difference. Haven't we got somewhere to grow? He knew the difference. Philip went down in Acts 8. He prayed for people. They got saved. They got all that sort of thing. And then the apostles came down and prayed for them and filled them with the Holy Spirit. So they were all working together. So let's think for a minute about the Holy Spirit inside us. Just, well, forget the other, not for a minute, but we'll forget. The Holy Spirit inside of you and me is to train us to manage our life from the inside out. So that we self-manage under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And that's so vital. That you're, you listen to what's around you. You listen to people around you. We live in the world. We live in all the stuff. But what's directing yours and my life? Are we managing our life from the inside out? By what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, it said, 
Do not commit adultery. That's that word. Everybody can see it. What did Jesus say in the New Testament? Don't lust after a woman. You see, he changed it from an outward observance to an inward part of character. And that's what the Holy Spirit is seeking to do. To build an inward character in us that represents God's nature. Let's look at the next one. Some of the things. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're sealed in our relationship with God. It's sealed. It was sealed into the covenant and lots of things. But I want to look at the second one. Do not grieve. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. This is what it says in Ephesians 4.32, 30.32. The Holy Spirit has sealed you in Christ Jesus until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Holy Spirit or take for granted his influence in your life. I think that's the one we need to look at. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Or take for granted his influence in your life. If I would have any problems, it would be in the latter. Don't take for granted. Don't take for granted. You know, in a marriage relationship, it can go cold if you take the other person for granted. And don't appreciate the qualities and the gifts and who they are. It can go cold. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. It's so similar to what we do. Now, in the Greek, and I'm not clever, I've looked this up. The word grieve has two aspects of it. The first one is meaning the way you act hurts the other party. The way you act hurts the other party. But the second one I think is quite interesting. It says, don't limit the scope of the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Don't limit the scope. The scope. What's the scope? Well, it's big and it's wide. Let's look at the next one, please. Hebrews 1.9 You have loved righteousness, hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. So there's some things God loves and there's some things God hates. And if you notice, if we love the things that God loves and hate the things that he hates, guess what? We get anointed with the Holy Spirit. And that's talking about Jesus. That's talking about Jesus. Let's quickly look at some of the things God loves. We have the next one. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves the world. He loves justice. He loves people. And the one with the big ear, he loves loves people here and obey. The next one, he loves mercy. The next one, he loves people who pursue his presence and his life. So those are general things that God loves. 
So if they're part of what we're living and seeking, guess what? We'll get the Holy Spirit. We'll get filled with the Holy Spirit. But unfortunately, he just says some negative ones. And this is taken from Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. The first one, and notice it's the first one, what does God hate? Putting other people down. That's the number one. Putting other people down. Making out you're more important and you're superior. God hates it. God hates it. Next one, telling lies. Telling lies. The next one, a rumor monger. Somebody who spreads rumors. Another one, the bottom one, somebody who causes discord or division amongst people. God hates this. And somebody who has an evil heart or evil intentions. And there's another one which I didn't illustrate, spilling innocent blood. I didn't think I could show a man. It wouldn't be very helpful. Because most of you won't have that issue, but you'll have some others. So let me read exactly what it says in Proverbs. It says, Putting others down while considering yourself superior, spreading lies and rumors, spilling innocent blood, plotting evil in your heart towards another, gloating over when things go wrong for others and spreading lies and false testimony. God hates that. He hates that. Can we have the next one? There he is. To grow in relationship with the Holy Spirit and not grieve him, we need to love the things he loves and hate the things he hates. So it's not difficult, is it? It's not difficult. So we've just got to question our heart. Are we loving the things he loves and hating the things he hates? And generally, what God hates is putting other people down and setting them at no value and destroying their character or their reputation. That's what God hates. And they're just the general things. But really, it's that level of sensitivity. That level of sensitivity that the Holy Spirit is looking for. That's a vital thing. How sensitive are you? How sensitive am I to what the Holy Spirit? Are we are we disturbable? You know, if if your phone rings, you stop and answer it, don't you? You know. You know, and I find for me, it's just you're busy doing something, and there's that little something in your heart, that little uneasiness or or sometimes life and we're so busy we can go on and do it we miss it we miss it so what's we want to grow in relationship with the Holy Spirit be sensitive he's very tender he's very patient he's very kind but you know he's very easily hurt too 
And the more you grow in intimacy in human relationships and relationships with the Holy Spirit, the deeper you go in relationship, the easier it is to grieve the other party. And grief and the pain in grief is proportional to the level of relationship. So you have a superficial relationship with somebody. You can say things don't really make much difference. But if you have a close relationship humanly or with the Holy Spirit, then what you say and what you do makes a wacky difference. So what am I saying in conclusion? It's the sensitivity in fellowship, in partnership, and intimacy and close relationship. And that's what the Holy Spirit's looking for. I wrote some things down that came to me when I was looking about this. How to apply it. How to apply it. We could do lots and lots of things, but I'm seeking to do what the Holy Spirit's brought to me. And this is the one, and it's out of Job 38. It says this. Who is this that darkens your counsel with words without wisdom? And if you'd have been at the Riding Lights on Friday night, it was displayed excellently, the conversation between Job and the... Who is this? that darkens your counsel with words without wisdom. When we went to YWAM in 1985, we'd been part of a, what was called the North Circular, which is a holiness movement that were filled with the Holy Spirit. Quite legalistic, we look back now, but a lot of good things, a lot of good things as well. And when we were in YWAM, after about two months, I had a real struggle inside. It was inside, a real struggle. And the things I was hearing and beginning to understand were conflicting with what was deep down here. And I I tried, you know, sometimes you pray and you just don't get through. Go on, let's be real. Sometimes we don't. I didn't get through. So I went to somebody, or respected, and I said, this is what's happening in me. What's wrong with me? And this is what they said. They said, what God is bringing into your life now is real and the truth. And you're trying to be faithful to what you heard in the past and the people that brought to you that you respected. And what you've got to do is still respect those people of the past, but you've got to leave behind the teaching and the things they brought into your life that are contrary to the Father heart of God. And that was freeing. And I think that's the main thing God wants to do this morning. And there's a couple of other things. One thing he wants to do is um, apply that. So I'm, I'm going to apply that and there's a, there's a couple of other things I want to apply that won't be for everybody. So what I'd like you to do is sit down, stand up, no matter what you do. I want, I'm going to ask you some questions. So you want to close your eyes. That don't make you more spiritual. It just stops you looking at me. So I want, I believe this is what God spoke to me to apply. That in many of us, there's elements of unconscious unbelief. It's not conscious. We're not conscious of it. But it's deep down there. It's hidden away. And it's because some of the things we were taught maybe way back have still got into our hearts and we don't know them there. 
And there's a sense where I was struggling when new things come up, we're trying to be loyal to godly people in the past who've helped us and we don't want to be disloyal to them. But we've got to leave behind the insidious stuff that they put in our hearts about the Holy Spirit. Because God's highly grieved by it. And he's not grieved by us, he's grieved by the people that sold that into us. And sold a level of unbelief. And sold into us some aspects about the Holy Spirit which are totally, totally untrue. So Holy Spirit, I ask you, would you search my heart? And would you search all our hearts now? And you're not searching to condemn, you're searching to release. And would you bring back to our hearts and our minds anything, anything we've been taught, anything we've been influencing, anything that has caused us deep down to question the Holy Spirit in negative ways? Would you just search our hearts now? Search our hearts. And Lord, we're thankful for the people that taught us, the people that trained us. We're not the godly people. We're not denying that. But some of their teaching was not godly and not helpful. So just let the Holy Spirit settle. He's there. He's coming now. He's there. He's there. He's coming. And there may be a warmth coming in your heart now. A gentle warmth. And if Father brings to mind a person, an organization, or a church situation, anything like that, just hold it lightly. And now we're going to process it. And I don't know any better way than the Sozo way. It's not the only way, but it's the best way I know. You want to follow me then? And say after me, Holy Spirit... Come on, say it with some conviction. Holy Spirit, I bring to you whatever you've brought in my heart now. And I ask you to forgive the people, the organization, or whatever was involved that sowed into me untruth about the Holy Spirit. And I ask you, would you forgive these people? And I choose to forgive. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to tease out of my heart any unconscious unbelief that's there because of this. I know in your love You'll shed it abroad in my heart and you will tease out this unhelpful understanding. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to heal my heart and will you now fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit so that I may be 
in a deeper, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I ask you from this day forward, there be a new level of fellowship with you. A new level of partnership. A new level of intimacy. A new level of knowing your heart for me as a person. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. You want to stir my heart and fill my heart and release me into new dimensions of being the person the Heavenly Father created me to be. Thank you, Jesus. We put a waymark in the Spirit today. And I'm going forward from this day. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you for fresh signs and wonders through my life, my actions, my works, my thoughts in everything and every area. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to have a new freedom in worship when I can fully express what's in my heart without being trapped and being British. And I thank you for that. Amen. Now, there's one other thing. This doesn't apply to everybody, but it will apply to some. I believe God wants to... um, I can pray for people for this. God wants to release in some of you the ability to speak a public tongue and express it and interpret it. So it's not for everybody, but there's some of you here whose hearts will be warm now and God wants to release you. You can speak in tongues yourself. He wants to release you into a new place where you can fully express your heart and and bless and overflow to other people and also the interpretation with it. And lastly, do you know, if you don't know Jesus this morning and you don't know what I'm talking about, do you know, he died on the cross, he gave his life for you so you could come into a place of relationship where your sin could be washed away and he'd send a wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit into your heart and your life. To make you the person that daddy in heaven wanted you to be. So if that's you, don't leave without it. So I'll pray with people to do with their tongues. Anybody wants that? Okay, over to Graham. Henry forgot my vision.